Pretty Mental is about accepting our full selves and inspiring others to do the same by being daringly unfiltered. This means completely normalizing all things mental health and the wild journey that has brought us here. We are challenging the stigmatization of normal human suffering, and we are done pretending and subscribing to the notion that it is taboo to have challenging mental health experiences. Welcome to the Pretty Mental Health Club, and enjoy the show. Hey, Valentina. Hey, Paula. And hello, everybody. And welcome to another episode of Pretty Mental. You guys, we are almost one year in to Pretty Mental. This is crazy. It really is wild. It really is, especially when you hear all of the adventures that Paula and I have embarked on and how many of them did not make them to the finish line. But this one is sticking. This one is sticking. And beyond that, we talked about a few other things in this podcast. Like our opinions with the Brianna Taylor ruling, we definitely have some words about that. Right. As we kind of as we go into it in the podcast, it's not surprising, of course, anymore, but it's still painful every single time. So we dive into that and also how we can make sure that we're keeping our mental health intact and, and managing and setting limits on media intake in order to take care of making sure that we're not amplifying our anxiety as we move through these elections and these challenging political times. And as always, we did a check-in with you guys, but most importantly, I'm super excited because Paula went into parts work. We deep dove into one of my top, top favorite strategies and interventions for working with clients and with myself, and that is parts work through the lens of internal family systems. So after you guys listen to this podcast, you're going to have a lot more knowledge on working with this. Don't be fooled when we say family systems. It doesn't really have much to do with your nuclear family. It has to do with another family of yours. You'll see what we mean when you tune in. And with that pretty mental family, take in a deep breath with us. And tune in. We missed you guys. We always do. And we are back. One episode is never enough. <laughs> One episode is never enough. We are in for number 37. Yes, we are almost at our one-year anniversary in a few weeks. I can't believe it. We finally stuck with something, Paula. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we did. And I'm so happy that we did. Have we have we shared with everybody what our previous journeys were? I don't uh, even... What were our, they? Our business ventures? We have tried so many things I can't even... Oh, we tried selling t-shirts. We made one t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> we tried selling t-shirts. We tried... Valentina being my manager when I was a I, I was painting and Valentina was gonna be my manager <laughs> when we were younger. I was gonna be her art dealer. Oh my gosh. We just yeah, we always knew we wanted to work together. But yeah, we once we went on a vacation with our parents. I feel like this is gonna be PTSD when my mom hears it, but it's funny if you're not involved. When we went to Destin with our family when we were younger and like on the second day Paula, how old were we? <laughs> I wish I could say I was younger than I was. <laughs> I think I was like probably 22. So that had to make me 18. 
And oh my god, it's embarrassing. Are we sure we weren't like <laughs> six and ten? <laughs> we were six and ten. And no, that sounds about right because that's like when I bought around the time I bought my first car, sixteen to eighteen. I don't know. And we were in Destin, and all of a sudden it was late at night, and we realized that we wanted to start a company together. <laughs> An art company. A t-shirt business. The, the t- was that the t-shirt business? So we literally were like, we have to go right now to back to Atlanta because if we're really serious about this, we have to go all in. And we told our parents that we were leaving. And I had driven my car, me and Paula. I had just bought my car, so I was excited about it. And then we left my parents. <laughs> we literally, we didn't even ask them. That's the kind of rebel children we were. We're like, hey, guys, we have to start a business. We're cutting this short. We're leaving. Bye. <laughs> Nobody assigned for vacation. This was before our, our, our not ministry days, clearly. Oh, before we celebrated rest. Yeah. So. Yeah, we made one T-shirt after that traumatic exit. Pretty sure we donated it to Goodwill. Yeah. It's great. And now we are on Pretty Mental. This one feels like it's going to stick. I mean, this one is 100% sticking. <laughs> it's sticking. This is a career now. Oh, you I know? love it. Where I'm, I'm, I'm in the mental health field. This kind of goes back to what we were talking about in terms of thinking that we have to have very concrete goals for our life. But you only really know what's right as you keep evolving as a human. You can only know what the next right step is. We still don't know exactly where this journey is eventually going to take us, but we know that we're here today and we know that we are aligned with it today. And so we're going to keep walking in these footsteps today. And with that, we want to do a check-in. Where are you at, Paula? I've been, my, my work has been busier lately. So I think this is around the season when more people start seeking out mental health treatment. And I know that a lot of our, Society is pretty stressed out right now with the elections. I, for one, have stuck with my usual my usual routines of cycling and playing with my projector at night and seeing a few friends, doing yoga, and continuing to just kind of nourish back into myself so that I can keep holding space for everybody that I work with. That's That's just where I am today. I am in a few transitions, actually, that I can't even really speak about because they're in transition (laughs) (laughs) and they involve other humans that I want to respect their privacy. So, God, I don't know how people do it on reality shows where they're just you just at one point just have to be like, fuck it. I'm going to talk about everyone and everything and just spill all my business. Yeah, I don't know. We're not being paid enough for that. (laughs) Not yet. So, no. but the, the main thing that I'm really thankful for is, you guys know, my therapist. I mean, there is nothing like having a therapist that you really are aligned with. And I was listening to The Burt Show, <laughs> and Burt was saying that if you find, once you find a therapist that works for you, it is literally the most life-changing situation that you can be in it really is though it really is though it really is because here I thought I had done all of this work to help myself and I and I have but the second I sat in with my therapist it I there's no words to explain just how she up is up leveling my 
healing. Like she like 10x is 10xing me because this is someone who has dedicated their entire life to different healing modalities. Of course, they're going to know something more than what people that aren't spending every day of their life studying this stuff are going to know. It's amazing. So if you guys are on the fence about looking for a therapist or you're just tired, like I was trying to find the right one because my God, it really can be draining until you find the right one. Keep going. It's a little bit of a dating process. I'm so serious. It really is. It's been, we've been, we're four, four meetings in now and I already just, I'm inviting her to my wedding (laughs) that I'm not having. (laughs) That's how I feel about her. Yeah. I am going to try out a new therapist. The one that I've been seeing, she is super, she's awesome, but there's just something missing there. And there's, that's just kind of how the therapy process goes. You, you also have to really trust your intuition. You have to trust how safe you feel. And it might, it's nothing wrong with the therapist. It's just, it, it has to be a good match. That's really what it just comes down to. It just has to feel like a good match. You have to feel safe. You have to trust them. You have to feel confident in what they're saying to you. So it just has to align. Um, and so since I've, I'm a therapist too, and I've been on this journey, I can, I, at this point, I think I can tell pretty quickly if it's going to be a match or not. So I won't draw it out for too long, but I, I think I want to try somebody out with a Latin American background. Yeah. Get some of our blood, but you know, that, that really does matter. Either going with a therapist that has a ton of cultural competency. This is actually something they talk about a lot in the in the literature and the research. It really does matter to try to match yourself up with a therapist that either understands your culture because they are from your culture or just deeply understands your culture because they have researched it and have a ton of cultural competency in it. Because, for example, there's some things that are very specific to the Latino culture that having somebody that understands that and I don't have to be explaining it to you like it's not something I'm making up it's it's just nice you get to skip a step and you can go right to the healing aspect of it yes one trillion percent you feel like you're starting it feels homey you don't have to explain anything yeah so when you're looking for a therapist there's nothing wrong actually it could be helpful to say you know uh what is your have you treated other clients of my culture before? What is your, what do you know about this culture or just kind of get a feel for it. But that, that is something that actually can help the alignment between you and your therapist. Totally. Because if you have someone who doesn't even understand your norms, they're going to be trying to heal you in a way through the lens of their norms. Yes. A hundred percent. And my therapist is Latin. So she understands why, I am as passionate and as fiery as I am and she's just the same way and she can help me, you know, navigate my own emotions through my temperament and the way that I am. Yeah, that I feel pretty comfortable because of my research and my background in treating the black community in this country and treating the Latino community because I am Latin and in treating the white population Eurocentric community in this country because I've, those are three worlds that I've navigated and done research on or lived specifically in. I may not understand so much, for example, let's say the Asian population as much. 
And so there's a little bit more there where I would have to ask questions and come in humbly with my client. And if they feel enough of a match with me, then they'll stick. I mean, I have a few clients that are part of the Asian population and then it's just a collaboration between the two of us where I bring in my insights and my knowledge and, you know, they're willing to work with me on that. So it's, it's just a matter of what you feel comfortable with. I was actually, what you were saying about that you're fiery and you're passionate. It's interesting because I was doing a little bit of research on obstacles in the Latin American community for seeking out mental health uh, help in the United States. And something that I came across was that Latino women in particular, this article just happened to be about Latin women. Latino women have a tendency to express their anxiety in terms of physical sensations, more so than necessarily cognitive, like emotional words. And I found that really poignant because our culture is, is a very embodied culture. Absolutely. And I, when I read that, I was like, okay, I'm not surprised. Like all we do is dance. So there's more of a tendency to become hyper fixated on physical sensations and a provider that doesn't get curious enough to understand that might mis must might misdiagnose it, you know, right. or send them away or <laughs> this is girls too crazy. <laughs> <laughs> send she, them away. She to moves a, her hands too much and her eyeballs are about to pop out of her head. Cultural competency matters. All that to say cultural competency matters when you're looking for a therapist that you feel comfortable with. Let's talk about the Breonna Taylor ruling that occurred yesterday. As we're recording this, this today is a Thursday. The ruling took place yesterday. And basically, at this point, I think any of us that have been informed on systemic oppression and the reality of the criminal justice system in the United States, we're not surprised by what happened. However, it still hurts every single time. We are standing in solidarity with anyone that is hurting, and we just we have to continue moving forward. And it's really it's there's nothing wrong with holding out hope for better results in the future because it's something we have to hold on to that. Without that, then you know, what are we going to do? My main message right now that keeps coming up for me is I have the shockness. The it's not, I'm not shocked. I'm not none of that. It's still like you said, it's still just it still hurts. It, it just it and the anger is still there, of course, because it's just kind of like how much more idiotic can this system get? I mean, truly. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, no. Yeah. How are you going to do a wrongful death settlement, pay the family millions of dollars and then say that the cops did something wrong, but it had nothing to do with Breonna Taylor's death? It just it doesn't make sense. That's crazy no, making. Nothing aligns, but the system doesn't align. This system is rooted in abuse and oppression. It's a toxic system. We know this. And my main message is to protect your mind and protect your energy because staying plugged into everything that is happening on every platform at every second of the day, it really leaves no room for oxygen to circulate through your brain. All it does is increase the levels of anxiety, of depression, of anger, of bitterness, of 
all of the those heavy, heavy emotions, which are super accurate because when you really accept the system that we are living in, please try to tell me how happiness fits in there. Truly. I know that there's a lot of perks to being in America, but I none of us are free until we're all free. It's all it's just always going to be hard to observe the blatant abuse and oppression of human beings. And so my main thing is really just protect your mind. We've said this before. They've don't let the system and the media infiltrate your mind more than it already has. Don't feel guilty for taking a break. Don't feel guilty for putting up some boundaries for your internet use because remember that this is a capitalist system and that is what they want. They want you to feel guilty when you rest and don't don't let them win. Protect your mind. Protect your mind. Part of protecting our mind. Well, it's important to protect our mind because at least from the mental health perspective that I come from and and, you know basically this is what you're describing it's just that the constant barrage of news about everything that's going wrong when we have no power to change it other than vote and that's you know that's not something we can go out and do tomorrow or to change the laws and that's not something that's going to change tomorrow if we're constantly just plugged into everything that's wrong it's going to create a sense of urgency in our system what are we going to do with that energy of urgency if it, it's not something that's going to change tomorrow? So there has to be some kind of limits because all that's doing is amplifying anxiety because you're going to feel that there is danger in your environment. Your body doesn't have the advanced knowledge of saying you know, there, there's danger, but it's systemic danger. Uh, we have to change the laws. It's going to have to be a process. This isn't going to change overnight. Our bodies don't know that. Our bodies, our, our survival system is black and white. So we're just registering there's danger. I'm going to shoot cortisol and stress hormones through the body and adrenaline and get this person ready to survive. But there's nothing to do with that when you're just scrolling on Instagram, laying in bed. And so all that's going to do is just throw your system out of whack. It's important to stay informed. It's important to know what's going on. Just like Valentino was saying, Figuring out what your personal sweet spot is for that and not and, and challenging any guilt that comes up around protecting your internal space. Because if you're in a constant state of anxiety over what's going on, that's not going to be helpful anyways. It's going to be destructive to your body and you can't really engage with the people around you in a way that feels good. And at the end of the day, what we always come back to is that the main joy of life is our connection with other humans and our connection with ourselves. There's always going to be a drama and a narrative going on in the larger system. It's just part of the experience here on earth, but we have to find ways to reconnect back into love in the middle of all of this. And um, we're not going to be able to do that if our nervous system is on high alert because we're constantly intaking just high doses of, of threat, <laughs> of threat probabilities. So maybe let's talk about how we, what we do to make sure that we reconnect back to love. Well, I had to take some of my internet use away. You did? Totally. I mean, I'll still be on there, but I won't go digging and try to read every single thing that is posted because I know my temperament. I, I don't work well with that much stimuli. I don't. I no. get very bombarded and I feel very stuck and caged in and anxious when that's all around me. I think most of us don't. 
I, I don't know the exact statistics on this, but I we consume more. Modern humans consume something like we consume more information in a single day than our ancestors did sometimes in a lifetime. Jesus. Something I crazy be- like I that. I believe it. Something crazy like that. It's a lot. It's a lot. That's why going for a walk is so <laughs> That's why I necessary. go on 10-mile walks. That's it's not an exaggeration either. Yeah, Valentina does go on very long walks. I need to. I have to decompress, but that's what I do. Listen, we have to respect the limits of our biology because the brain can have a mind of its own. It's a very powerful engine, and it gets used to being on. It, it becomes addicting for the brain to be on, but your body will remind you that you're human. So you can kind of get ahead of that and not wait for your body to have to remind you and remember to have certain practices, you know, something that's really powerful for me that I've always kind of instinctively done. And then because my parents nurtured my art practice, it got even more deeply a part of my human experience is that I, I like to create spaces of my own world, just set apart from anything moments where I I play I have a projector I turn on my projector I play with lights I put on music I read poetry I just basically disconnect from anything that is going on in the collective reality and just enter a space of tranquility and imagination and I would encourage everyone and anyone to invite that into their life because the there's more than just one possible reality going on. And if we just get completely sucked into the collective reality that we have co-created, there's beautiful aspects of it. But if we just get stuck on just the drama of it, which can be very alluring because there's actually, there's no stronger emotion, I would argue, for human beings than fear. And the media knows that. Obviously, they bank on it. So they're just going to throw fear away. We get addicted to knowing what's going on. It's almost this reassurance certainty thing. Maybe if I know everything that's wrong, then I can deal with it. But in reality, it's like a drug because we're really not in control of what's happening out in the world entirely. There's so many things out of our control. So it becomes a trap where they, the media will feed you fear. You go out to seek more information, to seek reassurance. That information may or may not help. But then a few moments later, you see something else or a thought pops up that I actually need to get more information to feel certain. And it's a trap and you get trapped in that. So part of being resilient during this time, I would argue, is learning to step away from that, to press the pause button and to create your own world. And again, the arts are the best medium, in my opinion, for this. And uh, you can see this across all cultures all over the world, even in the middle of, of great suffering, so many populations. I mean, the black community, for example, have known how to turn to these soul nourishing practices of of music and painting and dancing and these practices that feed the human spirit the human spirit we need that feeding it can't all just be fighting it can't and we don't know what's going to happen with these elections we don't know how this is going to turn out so we have to make sure that we are nourishing ourselves at the same time because the drama the danger the pain all that like it's not going to stop how do we make sure that we stay resilient and with that we wanted to talk a little bit about 
parts work, which is something that we meant Paula mentions that she does in her therapy practice, but we've mentioned it in the podcast a few times. And I thought it would be helpful to kind of go into it and speak about how we have different parts that make up our whole human and how by knowing that and knowing what tactics to use, we can help heal ourselves in situations. And you're doing a little bit of that in your therapy too, aren't you? No. Describe parts work. So it's different. There's IFS, internal family systems, which I've been formally trained in, but th- therapists don't necessarily work specifically with that. You don't have to say that you're practicing internal family systems in order to do parts work because at, it, at its most fundamental and it, at its most basic, when we say parts work, we're basically just referring to the reality that we are complex, multi-layered beings i i remember growing up and feeling in in, there's you know there's this like unspoken i think i don't know how accurate that still is and i'm in the therapy world so i don't have a necessarily like good measure of what's going on always in the general population conversations but i remember there being a little bit of stigma around oh you're not being real because you act this way in front of them and you act that way in front of that person so you're not really being authentic in reality the truth is that we all have multiple parts. Yes, my God. And I've seen it be embraced a little bit more in the corporate world. I would say one of the first people that I saw embracing, at least in the corporate world, her like badass marketing corporate brain with also how like sexy and feminine and strong she is. And she would even put pictures of her body and her and bikinis is Boz, Bazoma St. John. Badass Boz on Instagram. Give her a follow. (laughs) (laughs) I love her. She's such a badass. She is such a badass. And someone else that I saw after that is my boss, Nicola, where it was the first time I really saw someone show up as someone who can dominate the corporate rooms and then also have entirely separate lives from that and also broadcast that as well and not be uh, not feel like you have to hide certain parts of you because you know to compartmentalize you your life yeah in order to be acceptable totally yeah that's something that for me has 100 percent been a process of shedding you know where i felt like i had to if i'm gonna be a therapist when i first started i'm like how how in the world am i gonna be a therapist when i am far from perfect and in this journey i've realized that we can all still help guide each other. No one has to be perfect. And actually, the more different parts of yourself that you're comfortable embracing. And if you're able to be an if you're able to show up in your authenticity, wherever you are, you're going to be able to actually help evolution happen, right? Because you're not so focused on trying to just keep up a mask and fit into a box and fit into a box. You're actually going to invite all like all aspects of life. To yeah. happen right now. So we all have multiple parts. That's why a lot of times you all will probably notice that there's a part of you that wants to go out. There's a part of you that wants to stay in. There's a part of you that wants to reach out to this person. And there's a part of you that feels like you shouldn't. There's a part of you that feels really powerful and strong. And there's a part of you that comes out sometimes and feels super insecure and weak. And until we allow ourselves to grasp the idea that we are constantly shifting and and changing and sometimes we're going to show up more as this version of ourselves and and sometimes more as that version of of ourselves and that that's okay and it's actually normal 
and it's a completely appropriate part of being human, then when we, maybe when that weaker part shows up, we'll probably, we could easily identify with it too much and say, oh, maybe I'm really not as confident and as powerful as I thought I was because look, I feel really insecure and weak right now. That's black and white thinking. What we want to do instead is to start integrating those two parts a little bit more and saying, you know what? There's certain environments that are particularly vulnerable for me based on my conditioning and based on the experiences I've had. And the part of me that was wounded in those experiences is gonna flare up in those moments. That exists. And at the same time, the fact that I'm a super, I'm a resilient, empowered individual that speaks their truth can also exist. That's definitely something that I've been working with, with my therapist that she helped me realize because I had this image of myself during the time I got really depressed. I would see myself as a very rigid person because I had to I had to become a very rigid person in order to survive. I had to have very strict schedules, very a strong routine and I had to have very strong boundaries and a and hard nose in order to survive the environment that I was in. And it's just the way that that's just what your system, your emotional system figured out was the best strategy for your particular survival. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, so there's intelligence to that. And then later on, I, I, but, and I would always have this image of myself as this rigid person, but at the same time, I'm like, but that's not really me either. Like, I also feel like I am this free butterfly, which was literally my nickname with growing up. And I feel like I'm this very happy, free person. Right. So for those two things, it never made sense to me. So I would say like, which one am I then? One of, one of these is lying. (laughs) One of these is lying. And speaking with my therapist, she basically taught me what you're teaching me is that like, no, you just develop that part in order to survive. But that other part of you is still very strong. And the second you're ready to water it again, that's your essence. It'll bloom again, like a flower that was just dried up for a little bit. But that's also who you are. You just have these different ways of going about life because each phase in your life kind of requires a different part. Part. And so in our last podcast, when we were talking about goals and I ex- in, we expressed, may, well, I expressed making my goals be, my goal be to be in as much alignment for all the parts of myself to, to be in as harmonious of a relationship as possible, knowing that if I make that my focus and the parts of me are communicating in a compassionate and collaborative way with each other, there's no way that I'm not going to be guided in it towards a life that is beautiful and is, is aligned with, with all of who I am because because then I'm not neglecting any part. This is what I was specifically referring to because there's certain, okay. So for example, internal family systems, it's called that because it's basically referring to that we all have all these parts inside of us and they function like a family system. When I first went to take that workshop, I, I, I thought I was signing up for family therapy <laughs> training and it wasn't, or it, it wasn't that. It's that we all have basically kind of like an inner family. And how do we get these parts to get along with each other? Because they've all played a different role and they've all gotten very good at their role and they got good at their role for a reason because they felt like that was what was going to help you get the highest 
chances of your survival. So for example, there's a part that in internal family systems we refer to as the firefighter. And the firefighter is the part that when there's a fire, when a house is on fire, firefighters come and they just have to spray that house with as much water as possible because the only goal in that moment is to get rid of the fire. Nothing else matters. So like the house is going to get flooded. There might be collateral damage, whatever. It doesn't matter. Like we are just going to get rid of this fire. And all of us have a firefighter inside of us that shows up at different times. I know that, for example, when I had eating disorders and I would turn to food for emotional eating, that was my firefighter. Where I was saying, I'm in, so, I'm in emotional pain right now and I know how to put out this fire. I know how to to kind of appease this feeling and it's going to be with food and there's going to be collateral damage. I'm going to feel bad afterwards, but nothing matters. I just have to get rid of this pain. And so we all have that and it shows up in different ways. There's another part that we refer to as the manager and the role that the manager has developed is doing whatever it can. And you can just kind of, uh, kind of guess what kind of roles it'll play just by the fact that it's called a manager. So it's doing whatever it can to protect you the best that can from any psychological harm. And it will usually do it in a more methodical, disciplined manner. So That's me. <laughs> <laughs> that part in you got really effective. Oh, yeah. For many years. So it became the dominant way that I functioned for a long time. It became really effective. Yeah. My firefighter. <laughs> <laughs> My firefighter took center stage. Paul was just out here with a hose. <laughs> <laughs> and... There's the exile and the exile is the part of you that represents your psychological trauma. And it's, that would probably be, oh my God, I just felt like a goosebumps crawling up my body. What? What is it? <laughs> Spit it out. That would probably be for you, based on what you're describing, you're the, the part of you that was that free butterfly. What's the exile? So the exile is the part of you that kind of, that was wounded. The most spontaneous, free version of yourself. It's what you see in children. Yeah. It's the most innocent free version of yourself and that is that's the exile and so when that very just pure part that's so loving and so innocent gets wounded by the world and it, it doesn't know it's not ready for that essentially the the manager and the firefighter come in to we can't allow this to happen again whatever pain that very innocent part of you felt it like no we're not. It's so, so the firefighter and the manager, they're serving a protective function. They're, I'm not going to let that happen again to that very vulnerable part of me. And that's when we build up walls. So the firefighter and the manager come in and basically exile it to the depths of our psyche where it can't be touched. And that's when we build up these methodical systems or that's when we turn to drug addiction or that's when we turn to binge eating or whatever it is or, or um, c compulsive relationship habits. And... That spontaneous part is just hidden. That very vulnerable, free part is just hidden underneath all of that. And then there's something else called po polarization that can take place, which is what happens when, when two parts are in, in, in opposition with each other in the way that they function. And, and typically, this is the case between the manager and the firefighter because the manager wants to keep everything in order. And that's how it, it ensures safety. And the firefighter wants to just get the pain away as soon as possible. They're like, no method. <laughs> We're just, you know. And so the work in internal family systems is to negotiate with the firefighter and the manager 
in such a way that they can learn to collaborate with each other more harmoniously because both of their goal is to keep you safe and to limit your pain. So to keep the the exile safe, essentially. Yeah. The most vulnerable part of who you are, the most vulnerable part of who you are. And we call it vulnerable. Essentially your essence, your innate being. Well, you know, the exile is like that very, there's an, there's like an even greater part that they refer to in internal family systems, which I, I love this because it's super aligned with my spiritual type of practices. And, and it's called the self. You talk about the self. And so when I'm doing an internal family systems process with a client, the moment that there's that a wise voice comes in and starts kind of revealing the, the wisdom, the very grounded wisdom, you know that the self is present. And ultimately... That is kind of, that's what you aim to access. But it often, it often does require giving peace and making friends enough between the exile, the firefighter and the manager so that there's enough space for the wisdom that is inherent to all of us to come through. And how does one begin to create peace amongst all of those? So... First, you bring an understanding. A lot of times, for example, you might have a habit that's destructive to you. And this is why therapy can be so healing because there's somebody else that's looking at these habits with you in a compassionate way. Um, and so you'll have a, a, a certain behavior that, for, that, the manager, that the firefighter might do, that the manager is completely irritated with because it keeps backtracking the manager's goals. And so there's just tension, you know, you can just imagine how that's going to create feelings of anxiety inside of somebody when they have these two parts that are just functioning so differently. So I'll go in and I will say, where does this, as we're kind of activating this part, where does this feel the strongest in your body? Tune into your body, tune into it. And a, a lot of times, it's in in the heart mm-hmm. a lot of times it's in the heart it's a tightness in the heart or sometimes it's a, a tightness or a heaviness in the head that's where it's present and I'm like okay I want to tune into that place and I invite my clients to even visualize I, I I have them go to that place and I'm like okay well okay first tune into that place and then I ask them okay now you're there how do you feel towards that part of you that for example keeps making you binge eat and they might say, I'm super annoyed with it. I, I hate it. And the thing is that all of our parts are always listening. So when there's hatred from any part of us going to another one, like th- that creates more tension in our system because everything is always listening. So then I'll say, OK, can the parts of you that hate the firefighter, or the part that's making you binge, can the parts of you that hate that part, can they step away for a few minutes? Can they give me just a can they give me just a little bit of space to get to know this part a little better? And then the client will say yes or no. I haven't had a client say no yet. And I'll go back and then and then I'll say, okay, I uh, speaking to that part directly, you know, I'll ask it like, what do you want to express to me today? And I'll literally have clients speak as that part. So so even referring to themselves in third person, you know, like I'm I'm trying to protect so and so from being hurt. And I'll just keep talking to it and talking to it and getting to know it. And then I'll, it'll be like, okay, is it working? Is your strategy working? What, why are you trying to protect them from that? Why is that so important to you? Okay. And so then I, as I get to understand it, 
then I can say, would you be willing to experiment with me on achieving that in a less painful way? And a lot of t- most of the time or a lot of times they'll say yes, you know, and that's when we can negotiate. And it's it's to not scare that part because it's so used to functioning in that role. You can't just ask something that helped you survive to retire and give up overnight just because you decide suddenly that you don't need it. It helped you for 10 years. So that's ungrateful. <laughs> and so then you say, OK, so we're just going to try this. And if it's too much, that's OK. We can come back and reassess. But let's just experiment with it just really gently, you know. Are you willing to maybe when this this situation happens, are you willing to maybe motivate this person um, from a place of love? Can we try to use love instead of fear? You know, can we talk to them in this way? And then they'll be like, yes, OK. So essentially finding the motivations for why they get activated. Yes. And bringing in tons of compassion to when they show up and yes. understanding the reasons why they're showing up. Yeah. And then collaborating with them. And you can see that in the end, it's all out of love. They're trying to keep you safe. They're trying to keep you protected and they're doing their job. And that's it's funny because I actually did a session with my therapist today where we were exploring the different parts of me and I'm trying to get more acquainted with my anger. And she was showing me that, you know, my anger, you don't really need to do anything with it. And I know this because of meditation and we sit with our emotions and we allow them to flow out. But she was showing me that, you know, it comes up when it's letting you know that your boundaries are being violated. So you don't have to let that anger overtake you. You can kind of see it as part of you and learn to integrate it into who you are and kind of as that protector. Mm -hmm. And thank it. And thank it. For the work that it's trying to do. Yeah. So it's just, yeah, as you're, I, I, and that's part of the IFS process too, internal family system, is that at the very end, I, I think that part, I say, okay, thank you for letting me get to know you a little bit more today. Cause that, I mean, that's really vulnerable. You know, when clients allow me to engage in this process with them, they're letting me into the most private world that they have. So we think that part and then, you know, and then you know and then calling okay when you're ready open your eyes again so it's it's kind of a deep meditative trance like process but essentially it comes down to bringing us much compassion and understanding to why those parts are there so then we can move through this world as whole humans and not not trying to hide any parts of us for shame or for just neglecting those sides of us but understanding why all of these sides exist And then working from a really empowered floor. Yeah, absolutely. And this particular process of looking at yourself in parts or or acknowledging all the different parts of who you are is the most effective process that I have come across for not being at war within ourselves. Because, for example, like I talked about in the last podcast, how what I realized about body dysmorphic dysmorphia symptoms that would show up for me. I started noticing a pattern that when life got too stressful, I would start having hateful thoughts about my physical appearance. And so now those thoughts come in and I'm able to say, okay, you know, there's a part that's overwhelmed. So I don't have to necessarily believe what it's saying. I can kind of be the observer of kind of like my children and listen to them and thank them. And then when you have that and you're able to kind of name these parts, there is more space for you to then to bring in the wisdom of the self 
that higher wisdom that then says, okay, this is how we're going to move through it. And you negotiate, you can negotiate with yourself. I negotiate with myself all the time. Can people do this at home? The best way to do that particular exercise at home I found is through journaling. And I've had some clients do such awesome work with this where I literally, they, they will talk back and forth between the parts you know, the certain clients take really well to this process. Everyone's different. There's clients that I do more hypnotherapy with, although IFS is very similar. I kind of meld the two. I, I, I do the two things together, hypno and, and IFS, because IFS is pretty trance-like. And there's clients that just are do better with just talking and processing just talk therapy. But if you want to do IFS and kind of engage in that process a little bit more, journaling is awesome. So it's just kind of inviting, okay, you can... And you can decide, you can get, kind of get to know what your parts are. So, okay, what the anxiety, get to know, get to know the anxiety really well. What message does it have for you? And, and let it speak in first person. You know, you're talking with, okay, just let it speak. And it can say like, I hate you. I hate everything. I just let it be as unfiltered and raw as possible. Yes. Hear it out. Okay. Why do you hate me? Okay. When did you join my system? Why is it really important for you that I hear you? get to know it I kind of it's so interesting how learning to be at peace within ourselves and is is very similar to being at peace with other people like if I don't understand what's actually bothering you how can I ask you to stop doing what you're doing that we can't find a solution I have to know what's really bothering you and so that's what parts work invites in is okay let me get really curious and I can say then once you understand what the problem is and you can experiment with can we, can we try out a different route maybe? Always remembering that if you slip back in, you want to treat these parts as gently as you would a child. You know, when it's been doing something that's been doing for a long time and then it messes up again, you don't want to get mad at it. You want to say, okay, we're learning, we're growing. Let's try it again. Or maybe we need a slightly different angle. So we've given you guys some journal prompts. Try them out and let us know what you think. Have a conversation with all of the different parts of yourselves try negotiating with them, try seeing why they've popped up, what message they have for you, why they're trying to protect you and get compassionate and curious with them and then thank them for showing up and trying to keep you safe. Being at peace within ourselves is a collaborative effort. With all of ourselves. With all of ourselves. Okay, pretty mental. Los queremos mucho. We love you guys. And be kind to all yourselves. Make sure to tune in every Monday at 6 a.m. EST. Until next time, peace out. Bye.